This time on Chew Diligence, the changing heat of Kansas City barbecue, low and slow or hot and fast. We ask Fiorella's Jack Stack Barbecue. I mean, I think there is, um, I think you can tell the difference. I think there is a difference, and I think that's what's cool. And Q39. We like to cook it hot and fast. We like to put a good bark on it. And a perhaps little-known legend of KC Barbecue, Bill Cheney. Old as I am, I've seen quite a bit. Who, at 87 years young, tells us about working with the Bryants. I started working with Arthur when I was a kid washing dishes. It was Charlie then, before Arthur. It was Charlie, Charlie. As in the Bryant. Wow. Two decades of building so many of those low and slow KC barbecue brick pits. The flavor of the meat is different. You know, if a person has been raised up with a wood-burning pit, well, all the flavor comes from the wood. Bill is very modest. Um, (laughs) Bill... Bill is a true artist and is as responsible for the success of Kansas City-style barbecue as, as anybody else uh, in mm-hmm. the history of, uh, of Kansas City. On this episode of True Diligence, this is episode four after our bonus American Royal episode. Thank you so much, by the way. Uh, Lindsay Shively with Jill Silva and Jill, we passed a thousand downloads. That is so exciting. My kids are loving me. <laughs> I'm so cool. I love it. I love that you said you got cool points. I got cool points from my kids, 24 and 20. So, you know, I am hitting a demographic that's very important. <laughs> And we love that. Keep them coming. I love that they're listening. And thank you, thank you to all of you for listening. And we are going to talk a little more barbecue this week as well. But something that has fascinated me when Jill brought this up, the way that it's changing. I mean, it's a part of Kansas City's history and how we cook. Is it changing? Is there room for both? Well, I grew up in Colorado where um, there was mostly grilling it done in my family when I was growing up. I'm sure they're doing some barbecuing there now, but... From grilling, I moved to Texas, and I learned a little bit about barbecue. Um, Then I moved to Kansas City. Oh, my gosh, I learned so much more about barbecue. And the phrase that I kept saying over and over was, low and slow. (laughs) Right. And then I met, well, somebody we're going to have on the show today. And I started to learn that because of technology, we're going faster and hotter all the time. Hmm. I was out at the American Royal this past weekend and um the winner was the first ever from an international team that's a big deal oh my gosh it is huge in decades at the royal yes um and so they're from the uk and they won and they were using the can cookers the upright ones that we talked about on our last show that have that vortex built up inside of it and cooks brisket and pork butt and half the time i think Mostly so people can party and have a good time, <laughs> but, right. but the results are pretty good, a little more char, um, and it was, it was amazing to meet them. They had done this out of their van, one tent, two people. Wow. Yeah. And what, how's that compared to a typical competition with low and slow competition team? You know, probably four to five people. Wow. Cooking all night long, maybe staying in their air-conditioned rigs. Right. (laughs) So a little bit different. So that is what we're talking about today, low and slow versus hot and fast. And we have some amazing guests to talk about uh, the virtues and fabulous tastes of each. On the phone in studio, we have Rob McGee from Q39. Thanks for joining us, Rob. No, this is a pleasure. 
And we also have uh, Travis Carpenter, president of Jack Stack. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Jill, please introduce Mr. Bill Cheney, a legend of Kansas City Barbecue. A legend, but probably not as well known as he should be. Kind of working behind the scenes, sort of like a craft master, you know, a set maker, a playmaker. Um, I met Bill two years ago or so, um, kind of by accident. I went to um, a restaurant with Artie Davis, good friend of mine from the American Royal um, oh, yes. barbecue competition. Uh, and he went back while I was talking with someone else, he went back into the kitchen. And when he emerged, he said, they have a brick pick bat there. And I said, really? And he said, look, I know who built it. And he had a, a business card and it said, William Cheney. So we tracked Bill down and had lunch with him. We've become fast friends. Bill, um, is 87 years old and Bill, you have built... 20 plus pits at the last count 30 30 30. 30. okay 35 35 but is it 20 or so that are still in use today because we had to do a lot of counting when i did that feature article for the star so you did 30 pits i built 35 i imagine it's about 15 i'm still in use and do you guys use all you, you don't use all your uh, wood burning pits, do you? We don't use the one at our catering uh, operation yeah. anymore, okay. but our uh, our five restaurants we we use them every day. And these are pits at places that you all have eaten a variety. We're talking about almost all the Jack Stacks. Yep. LC's, right, Jill? LC's mm-hmm. has one of his pits. Um, Bill, help us out on the other ones. I've got the list here. If you do, you remember the other ones? Oh well, Wins Old City Market. Mm. Right. Yeah. And and uh, uh, smokehouse, smokehouse, and all, all of his pits. Yeah, he's got and two uh, of those. One in Independence, mm-hmm. and where's the other one? Do you remember? Uh, uh, it's at uh, sixty-three hundred four North Oak, mm-hmm. Gladstone. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Gladstone. And you also, you are the man that helps Arthur Bryant's keep their pits in shape too, yeah, right? I'm, yes, I still work for for, for Arthur Bryant's. Oh wow! Yeah. I work every 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 uh, every New Year's Day. I'm I'm down there, and and doing and doing 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 the year when they need some repair work, I get a crew together and we take care of it for them. You know. Hmm. And yeah. I just got a phone call from someone who's looking for a pit, so there might be some more down the road, more Bill Cheney pits. Um, Bill, what? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about brick pits. What's so special about brick pits? I know if I ask you to tell me how you cook on them, you're not going to tell me that. But you do, <laughs> you you do know how to build pits. They're a pretty special breed. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, barbecues uh, is an ancient uh, as far as the the African American race because years ago they they built the reason to call it a pit because they they, they uh, dug holes in the ground. And they cook a, a goat or a sheep all night long. They had a big, big tub of mopping sauce, a big mop, and they mop it, you know. And and uh, it's it's went on down through the years. Uh, I I uh, I started working with Arthur when I was a kid washing dishes. It was Charlie then, before Arthur. It was yeah. Charlie, Charlie. As in then. the Bryant, and, wow, uh, family. Right, yeah, the, Arthur, Arthur, Charlie Bryant, Arthur, Arthur Bryant, and. No one, they, they don't have a cook today that, that could cook like uh, the cooks for, for Arthur Bryant's because the cooks live fire 
and and it kept the meat moving. You know, it it cooked a ton of meat in twenty four hours. It cooked all night long. And you can't yeah. leave it alone, right? You're with it. You're with the pit. Oh yeah, they it's steady. They steady right there, sitting right there with the pit, right in front of the pit, moving the meat. Well, throwing water, it was spraying water, and uh, and and, uh, and and just kept the meat moving. Their pit has 60, 60 pound railroad rails, and it's, it's a tremendous amount of heat, and it warps those whales. It's a tremendous amount of heat, yeah. You know? And then and then uh, years ago, it was you know they didn't they didn't uh, use any artificial smoke. Every all all the season came out of the pit. Can you tell that it's been in a seasoned pit versus an oven when you have barbecue? Uh-huh. Yes, I can tell. What can you tell yeah, about the pit uh, when you bite well, into something? Well, the 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 the, uh, uh, the flavor of the meat is different. You know, if you, a person has been raised up with a wood burning pit, well, all the flavor comes from the wood. You know, then that, that's it, it, it. Well, to me, it has a better flavor because that's what I, what I grew up with. You know. Absolutely. And I feel like I've just heard that it's not necessarily a certain amount of time. You just kind of do you eyeball it when it's done? You know what I mean, Jill? It's it's not a here's how long this will cook. Right. Well, it's more physical. I saw when I went to Fiorella's to look at one of Bill's pits and we photographed him near that. Um, And, you know, you're you're touching, you're feeling it's a little more tactile because you're not opening the doors or closing them. Back and forth. You're, you're, I mean, you're, you're doing a little more work is what I, back and forth, as opposed to shutting the door, yeah. you know, and not looking until it's done. So right. yeah, the pit master, he has to be there, uh, full attention all the time, every moment, you know, because with wood and, and the, the, the grease is, that's, that's falling off to me, you could, you could get a, 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 a big fire real quick. So he has to be there. That's why I kept the water handy. So, yeah. Now, Bill, building a pit is not just putting bricks together. Tell us a little bit about how do you construct a pit so that you have good airflow and that it cooks the meat just right. Well, it's just a, a normal pit with a with a with a with a, with a chimney, you know, and uh, uh, some of them, some of them are, are different. Mostly, you know, if we're going to change the design. It's, uh, like I was talking with Casey, but you need to talk with the engineer for the, getting the proper airflow and everything, you know. And at one time, uh, uh, Jackson Smokestack, they had a, they had a problem with uh, with the, with the the flow of the of the uh, uh, smoke. And then you got uh, Anchor Sales, Dave Anchor Sales and Service. He built a special uh, uh, fan for, it, for to vent the to vent the smoke, you know. Does it matter where the racks are? I mean, placement's everything, right? Pardon me. Does it matter where the racks are? Are they very, very specific? How you build these? Well, yeah, they have. It's designated, you know. What each, 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 each restaurant they make the decision how how far apart to what the racks are. Mm. You know, all decisions of, of building a pit. I just I know how to build them, but I get everything, all the information, what they need. From the individual, they tell me what they need. Okay. Now, Travis, talking about Jack Stack, we asked, "Where are you guys in the pit versus oven situation as a company?" 
Yeah, so first off, Bill is very modest. Um, <laughs> Bill... <laughs> Bill is a true artist and is as responsible for the success of Kansas City style barbecue as, as anybody else uh, in mm. the history of, uh, of Kansas City. So um, we owe a lot to Bill. Bill has built all of our pits um, and all of our restaurants other than our uh, lastly Summit store. Um, but for us to answer your question specifically, so we cooked primarily on barbecue pits in, for the first 40 years of our company. Um, and then in 97, uh, purely out of capacity, issues. Uh, we bought a, uh, a Southern Pride rotisserie smoker, and now we've evolved um, into where we are today, and all of our restaurants have um, a barbecue uh, brick oven, and we also have three uh, Southern Pride rotisserie smokers everywhere. So it's about 50% uh, of, uh, of our food is cooked on the pit, about 50% um, is cooked on the uh, rotisserie oven, and, and some uh, in both. And you have a system when you're using the pit, the drip system, can you kind of describe that? Um, I was fascinated, but that I think explains so much about the flavor mm. of a brick pit versus maybe some other ways that you might cook barbecue. Yeah. So Kansas city style, traditional authentic barbecue, generally speaking, um, is done in a brick pit and is done over, um, direct heat over direct fire versus, um, what you see a lot in Texas and some of the Carolinas where it's a lot of it's done indirectly. And the, the, the benefit to doing that is you get the drips from the meat that'll go right onto the fire, onto the wood, and, and the steam and the flavor that's produced from that kind of goes back up in, into the meats. And the other uh, really fun thing that, that we do is uh, we cook all of our, our beans, our hickory pit beans are done on the brick oven pit. And so mm. they get to be the wonderful recipients of a lot of those <laughs> drippings. Um, all, the, uh, all the way to the bottom. Uh-huh. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So they, uh, they catch a lot of that, what the wood doesn't get. I think it's pot of gold. Mm -hmm. And that's why it doesn't taste anything like it if I ever tried to cook it on my own. Right? I mean... Oh. Exactly. Cannot duplicate that at all. You could try, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we move on. Rob, I want to ask you, award-winning, do you call yourself a pit master if you use an oven, A? And B, what do you think about low and slow versus hot and fast? Well, I do consider myself uh, a pit master, somebody who can work the pit and cook great barbecue. Um, you know, we use uh, Southern Prides, and they work great. Um, we also use a combination of a wood fire grill to finish it off before it goes out on certain cuts of meat, such mm. as chicken and ribs. Um, hot and fast works very well, uh, especially for Q39 and how we take care of barbecue today. Um, I always think that cuisine uh, evolves uh, as you go in time, uh, so culinary has advanced. Um, I do believe barbecue has advanced also, and this is just a part of the time, as you mentioned earlier. Um, we like to cook it hot and fast. We like to put a good bark on it. Um, we also like to make sure uh, once it comes up to its peak time, uh, we wrap it in foil and put a little beef shoe in it. If we're talking specifically for brisket or pork, we'd put pork shoe in it. Um, and then we would put it back in the pit to finish it off. So mm. once it maximizes its flavor with smoke and bark, then we'd go ahead and wrap it. So our briskets are done between six and seven hours. Eight hours would be the, the longest time it's in. Um, by doing that, you know, we're able to cook barbecue, all fresh barbecue coming out for lunch and all fresh barbecue coming out for dinner. 
because you're utilizing the pits and they're coming off on a timely basis to be able to put the next set of uh, meats in. So uh, hot and fast works very well. Um, I believe that it retains more moisture than low and slow um, because, you know, you're sealing in the juices. And then when you're finished cook at the cooking process, you let it rest. The juices go back into the meat. Uh, and then you go ahead and you can put flavor back in the outside of the briskets just before you're ready to slice and give it to the customer. You know, Rob, I, I love Jack Stack and Q39 and LC's and Arthur Bryant's. When we were listening, listing these places, I realized that both kinds I've had and personally not known that there was such a different technique behind them. I've seen the ribbons covering the walls of Q39 when you were competing Back then, were you also hot and fast, or were you low and slow then? You know, I started off, I've done all techniques, and that's the great part about, you know, um, you know, barbecue or culinary itself, uh, is to try all techniques at what, what works the best. Uh, when I started winning uh, in the barbecue circuit, it's when I was cooking. Uh, so I would smoke my meats up to five hours, five and a half, and then wrapping it. Um, and then at the end, I would put it back in the smoker, uh, tighten it up a little bit, uh, re-season it, and uh, serve it, and we would we were winning all the time. Rob, describe for us just a little bit about how um, things work at your restaurant, because it, it it's, it's a very modern restaurant. Um, you've got a lot of computers, a lot of technology going on, and I think that is powering a lot of what you are doing in your restaurant to make it hot and fast and also efficient. Um, you have pit masters, but again, it's not, everyone can do that, right? In your place, because you have trained them to do that. Well, I've trained everybody how to do it, but I have pit masters, um, uh, certain, uh, associates that only work the pits. So I have a pit master at each, uh, restaurant. Um, the, the pit master, which is really important, is how to gauge when the brisket's done. Uh, even if you're cooking it in a southern pride or if I was to cook it in an offset, um, you got to be able to tell when the meat is done. Um, the good thing when you're cooking it consistently uh, with those southern prides, um, it gives you a good window that, you know, they should be coming out within this hour. But you still have to have a pit master to be able to understand the touch, the feel, Hmm. um, to make sure it's done correctly before you pull it out of the smoker, or you're going to be serving either chewy brisket or overcooked where it's falling apart. So technology, we're not in danger of having technology sort of take it away here. It's just adding to what you're doing. You know, it's efficiencies. I mean, if you look into every business today, you know, everybody's trying to figure out a better way, um, you know, to do something for their business. Uh, you know, we've taken the technology to be able to get the pits to fire up overnight. Nobody's in the restaurant, and then 6 o'clock, the pit masters are there working the pits. Um, we've taken some of the labor that was in, you know, that, that you would put somebody, you know, I listened earlier, and I, you know, that's fun stuff that, you know, the pit masters that are working the pits all day long, and they have to be there managing those pits all day long with a Southern Pride which is, you know, cooked with wood and gas, um, you can utilize that labor in other parts of the restaurant also, which making everything from scratch takes a lot of labor. Uh, And therefore, you know, if you spend too much labor, your cost goes up. So if you can balance Pitmaster and putting out quality foods, scratch-made, 
um, products, uh, you know, it's a benefit for your restaurant and for your customers. Rob, having cooked both, and I've obviously eaten both too, can you tell a difference, good or bad, between pit and oven in taste? You know, there is um, a slight difference. It really depends on um, how you treat the barbecue. Mm. Um, if you're a salt and pepper guy on your brisket and you're cooking it on an open pit, you really want the flavor from that wood and charcoal to come through. If you're putting a nice rub on it and a good bark and you do it hot and fast and then you even finish it off on the grill before it goes out, um, the flavor could be a little bit different. But, uh, I mean, it is just, you know, phenomenal that way. Travis, do you think most customers have any idea there might be a difference? And do you think customers can tell the difference? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there is. Um, I think you can tell the difference. I think there is a difference. And I think that's what's cool. And uh, there are so many different um, types of barbecue, even within the Kansas City style genre of barbecue, that you can, you know, have your own flavor profile that you, you love or have multiple flavor profiles that you love. So I don't think there's any one um, right answer. And, and a lot of uh, what Rob is saying is true. And, and we acknowledge um as well. And because he's right, like using a Southern pride, it is more efficient. It is um, more consistent and, and heck it's, it's cheaper. Um, It is, uh, it is definitely less costly to do something in a Southern pride relative to do it in a barbecue pit uh, for a lot of reasons, maintenance and and labor just to, uh, just to name a couple. So Kansas city, this has been, barbecue has been a part of our city's history for decades and decades. Jill, do you think most people know that this, slow change might even be happening. I really don't think that most people are asking what the pit, where's the pit? I mean, they just want their barbecue, right? They're, they're not saying, Hmm, what kind of pit do you cook on? And um, what wood are you using? That, that doesn't come to mind. Um, I think I'm very intrigued by the whole thing because of course I've been doing some deep dives into it, trying to understand the differences um, between the various barbecue, um, players in Kansas mm-hmm. City. So um, I guess I was a little bit startled when Rob said, oh, yeah, hot and fast. And I'm like, but why, why are we always <laughs> saying low and slow? Wait. You know, and, and I think that's when I realized there's sort of a sea change going on. And part of that has to do with just the quantity, the amount of barbecue that people want to eat, right? We, we just need to produce more. And so there's some really interesting questions that come out and Rob's addressing it. Fiorella's is addressing it. Um, how do you do that? How do you make it uh, enough for everyone? Um, but that does vary in style. And I know um, Rob had a brick pit in his uh, second restaurant that he went to. And um, Rob, you decided to take that out, didn't you? Yeah, I definitely removed it. Um, yeah, it was a nice pit, but uh, it didn't fit the way Q39, the way I wanted to uh, uh, cook barbecue. So I'm thinking just from from the standpoint of um, Bill being an artisan and, you know, doing a long time brick pit. What what's the future hold for somebody like Bill or whoever's going to take up Bill's mantle uh, down the road? Or do we not necessarily need as many brick pits out there as we once did? Future thoughts, anyone? Um, yeah, I'm happy to answer that. So I think it really depends on the flavor profile that you're trying to get at. It's. It's different, and um, and there's there's a nod to authenticity and tradition of Kansas City style barbecue that 
you can get close um, and and flirt with it a little bit on the rotisserie ovens, but you can't completely reproduce um, what you're doing in a brick pit. And it also matters. And Rob mentioned this earlier, like from a flavor profile, like what are you doing to the meat? So are you are you putting a rub on it or are you not putting a rub on it? Are you injecting it or are you not injecting it? What are you doing? What is your process? And what is the flavor profile that you want? Um, and for us, for brisket, like we don't we don't put anything on a brisket, so we depend on the flavor profile from a brick pit to do the heavy lifting. Now with other things, we we put um, rub on it and it goes right into the Southern Pride and mm. and that's what we want to accomplish for that particular type of protein. So it, I think it depends on um, what it is that you're after. Um, so, but I I do think it's cool. Kansas City Barbecue has been around for so long, 100 plus years now, um, to keep the tradition alive of the brick oven pits and the flavor profiles that come out of that. Yeah. Um, it's It's been important to us because we've been doing it for 60 years. So we try to honor that, but also um, improve it a little bit um, with time and speed and efficiency that some of the Southern Prides offer us. And apologize for the uninformed brick pit question, two of them I had. And, and sorry if you said this, what's your oldest operating brick pit at um, Jack Stack? So uh, 1974, wow. so a little over 40 years. Is it? it I, I just was, when we were talking about this at first, reminded of like the, the beauty of a cast iron skillet. Is it like that, or do you have to go in and clean them routinely, or does it keep that decades of char and flavor? Yes, on both. Yes. <laughs> yes, on both. Yeah, so um, they're, they take constant cleaning and constant maintenance. They're uh, they're kind of a pain uh, in that way. It's a hate it's a hate love thing, but right. uh, but yeah, if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. Bill, how often should someone be servicing their brick pit? Well, this money it mainly left up to the the owner, you know. And if it take if it take well good care of, they last for a few years, like. Uh, Jack Stack, you know, they take, they take really good care of their pits. And there's other uh, uh, restaurants there. They are they're a little bit slow on, on, on taking taking good care of their pits. So, so they manage to, uh, to have to have repair work done earlier. You know, they don't get the service out of it. Sure. Travis, what yeah. happens to brick pits that need to be uh, maintained? <laughs> So the big, the biggest worry that you have to consider is just there's so much heat in there that uh, think the steel can warp um, mm. and the walls can bow and mortar needs to be replaced. Um, also, uh, because you have to control the fire, you're constantly putting water on it and water can do damage to the floor of the pits. Um, so it's, it is um, an ongoing maintenance thing that you always have to be vigilant to because, I mean, if you don't, you can burn down, you know, your business. And, a lot of fires in the old days, I understand, hmm. from things sparking up while people went home or or got a snooze here or there. <laughs> yeah, you have to be completely vigilant. And so what we do every six months, we um, have our pits inspected to make sure that they don't have any major flaws. And um, we, we close uh, one day a year for just a celebratory employees and their families um, type deal that we call Jack's Fest. And so if we need major work done, we typically do it on that day. What's the cost of a brick pit? I understand there, I mean, just a generalized idea. What, what Big we, investment, right? It's, it's a huge investment, I think. I, I don't know how it compares. Maybe Rod, Rob can answer how it compares to the... The ovens? The ovens, uh, 
Because the, they're not cheap either. <laughs> so they're not. I mean, the Southern Pride size, which we, we use on average, costs about $25,000 oh. um, a unit. Um, the pit and grill that we just bit, built in Lee Summit, um, all in, it's a little over $100,000, $115,000 that we put in. Wow. So, yeah, so it's, it's an upfront investment, yes. um, which I think probably makes you money over time. But um, And Rob, when you were looking at what kind of ovens you wanted to use, um, there are a lot of companies out there. How did you sort of decide on uh, your, your choice of ovens? Yeah, um, you know, <clears throat> one of the important things is when you're picking out um, smokers and uh, stepping up the technology. Um, and I don't call them ovens, by the way. I call them smokers. Smokers. Uh, Love when it. I went to a Southern Pride <laughs> smoker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the uh, service rep that's here in town um, was a big factor to make sure that I had somebody that I could work with, that I that I could have communication, and if something went wrong, uh, that he was readily available. Um, there are other ones that are out there, um, but um, after I did all my research, I, I felt that that was the best smoker uh, and the best application for, for my restaurant when I was ready to fire it up. The other thing, we mentioned something about, you know, maintenance and, and upkeep. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I really like about the Southern Pride smokers, um, at the end of the night, we clean our smokers to where you can see it stainless steel brand new every time. So when we put our barbecue in every night and start the day, it's like cooking with a brand new smoker. So you uh, don't really subscribe to seasoning <laughs> in the same way that maybe uh, folklore does? <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think that, um, you know, old food or, you know, you know things in a pet um, seasoned, I don't think that adds to meat whatsoever. I think it's all wood. And if I was cooking on a offset um i'm sure jack stacks and everybody out there uh you know you got to clean your shelves you got to make sure they're ready to go for the next day um you know there's a sanitary issue there also um but when you get your uh, barbecue put on a you know nice clean pit to get going i mean you heard either it's charcoal and wood um that's what you want to do all the flavoring and embark into the barbecue so i really like the idea of the ease of my Southern Pride that I can clean them out that they're brand new every day when I start off. And Rob, while we have you, I know uh, a lot of people were excited when your second location opened up and a lot of people, there were rumors about a Northland third. I just wanted to do my chew diligence and check (laughs) with you for the Northlanders that are clamoring. Are are there any updates on any new Q39s? You know, we're always looking, um, and there is, uh, you know, I would love to open up north. There just has not been the right um, popu- dense population and the right demographics uh, that would support a Q39 uh, in the in the Northland currently. Uh, but as Kansas City grows, you know, we keep a sharp eye on it, and, you know, the right properties uh, popping up. So uh, Northland is always intriguing to me. Uh, especially that I worked up there for over 12 years at the uh, Hilton uh, KCI Airport um, area and uh, uh, just have not found the right combination yet. Rob, you have also told me that you might be interested in in taking it on the road, uh, so to speak. And talk to me a little bit about doing something like that in the future because 
you know, the more you add, the more difficult it becomes. I know there are other restaurants in town that I've asked the same question. And they're like, no, we'll always just be in Kansas City. How do you make that decision that you might grow? Um, you know, we've looked into different marketplaces already. Uh, Denver is one, um, you know, to see if we could uh, find a spot out there. Um, cities outside of Chicago we were looking at. There's some really nice cities outside of Chicago. Um, you know, so, you know, we're always looking to see if we can fit it in. It does, you know, once again, back to the demographics, does it make sense? Um, you're, you're absolutely correct as you add more restaurants. Um, you know, you've got to make sure that your all your processes are in place. Um, it can it can turn in you know in an instant if you're not on top of it. Um, you know, when it's a scratch made <clears throat> a kitchen, you know, scratch made food, um, you know, turnover and all that, you know, things factor into it. So uh, you got to make sure that all your processes are in place so it's a smooth transition. After the second restaurant, we're, we're definitely stronger. Um, so going into a third, it gets easier and easier as you go. You know, so the first one's the hardest. The second one gets a little bit easier, and the third should be a little bit easier on top of that. And the consistency uh, should be a lot better with all the processes and recipes and exactly how to do stuff. Does that get so scary when the first customer comes in the second door to make sure that they love the food there as much as they do at your other restaurant? Absolutely. You know, the recipes have to be sound. The, uh, the training has to be ongoing, um, and it has to be consistent. If I have food that tastes good in Midtown but maybe not as good in South, that can really just damage your brand, um, and that's not what you're after. you got to make sure it's consistent all the way around. Um, and so when people are making it from scratch, you know, it's constantly training and getting the right managers and making sure that, they're following the processes. Um, you know, it's, it's as easy as like making potato salad. Did you cook with salt in the water? Was it three cups? Was it to every 30 gallons of water to X amount of potatoes? If they didn't follow that exact uh, process, then your potato salad could come out bland. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really important to constantly uh, train your associates and make sure that the consistency and recipes are exactly so everybody can understand it. And Bill, I think you you had something uh, yes, to add sir. to that. Uh, I would like to say that in a, in a wood burning pit, you keep the, the flavors there all the time. You know, the minute you the minute you season the pit, the pit, the pit gets uh, gets uh, well pit or oven. Once it gets seasoned with masonry, then the season stays. The season automatically stays there. You could you could store your meat in in the pit, and it still would take on the flavor. Because flavor is is permanent. No matter what you put in there. Yeah, no matter what you put in it, yeah, it, it would burn bad. Bill, you See? have had your literal handiwork as a part of so many barbecue dynasties here in town. And I, I think it's so incredible that you started off working for Charlie Bryant as a dishwasher. What has it like for you to see what Kansas City barbecue is now compared to when compared to your dishwashing days? It's wonderful. It's, that's just, it's just really great, you know. And then, you know, old as I am and seen quite a bit, you know, it makes you feel real good on the inside. See, see, you know, how the, the business uh, fl fl flowers, flow flourish and went on, you know. And the, and the, 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 
I think the most important thing about the about it, you have so many different ideas about how, how to cook meat. You yeah. know, absolutely. So it it, it uh, it's uh, it fits in with the with the population. You know, because whoever comes in your restaurant, that's the one who rings your cash register. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Customer's always right. Yeah. <laughs> always right. Yeah. Bill's, Bill's told me he's not so sentimental that he doesn't realize that things things move forward and things change, and the meat's better today than it than it was when he was growing up. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's well, yeah. he's a traditionalist, but yet he sees the future. <laughs> and so you have to take consideration. You know the the difference in the meat. The difference is, is totally different than when I was a kid coming up. You know, so. Yeah. How so? Yeah. What do you mean? Tell us more. Well, uh, uh, you have your feed lots where they give them a lot of chemicals. You know, mm-hmm. and and, and where well, you have owners that have ranches. Well, it's all about money. So, so whatever, whatever, whatever uh, uh, makes their products suitable for the market. That's what they use. You know. So is, is barbecue brings about changes? New technology brings about changes. Is barbecue tastier or not as tasty as when you were growing up? Well, that's kind of hard to say because when you're young, your taste buds are different. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you yeah. go. Yeah, right. but uh, it's it's more or less. Uh, uh, well, you know, wood burning pit like Jack Stack. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'll, I'll plug for them because I feel like they're number one in the country. You know, they you are, got a fan, you know, Travis. And, right? and, yeah, and, and, and they are they are. It's good, clean restaurant. You know, real clean. Yeah. And Travis, and, you and, have, and real good food. And Travis, you all, uh, <clears throat> you have some not growth plans exactly, but you started years ago as a company, uh, direct mailing barbecue across the country. That was, I think, a very ahead of the uh, curve yes. business decision. So, yeah, we were, um, we couldn't even see the curve. We were so far ahead of the curve. On that <laughs> one. And, uh, for, for better or for worse, we, uh, when we opened up our third um, Jack Stack location um, downtown uh, in the Freight House District, we decided that it, just for grins, because that wasn't hard enough, we wanted to open up a shipping business uh, <laughs> the same year. So we've been, uh, we've been shipping uh, barbecue for 18 years now, and um, I will be the first to, uh, to tell you. We knew how to cook barbecue, but we had no idea how to market um, that level of business. when we first, It's a totally different thing. Um, so we've slowly but surely paid for those lovely lessons to learn how to do that. And has Jack Stack ever thought about um, opening other restaurants in the country, or is the mail order the way for you all to get your barbecue out there? So we've talked about it um, more times than uh, than I can count over the last two decades. Mm. Um, but our, our goal um, was to sort of maximize what we thought was an appropriate footprint for us in the Kansas City market um, first, and we believe um, we've done that. Um, never say never, but... I really doubt that we'll build another uh, full-service barbecue restaurant in uh, in Kansas City, um, unless um, you know, as Rob said earlier, unless the the demographics um, change and the city changes, um, and that could happen down the road. But as it stands right now, if uh, uh, we'll probably go out of market next, um, with the exception of which there's still a lot of room for growth um, in our current restaurants and uh, and also for our catering business. And speaking of the the Ritz Charles facility, that's a possible move for you guys. It is so uh, not for a restaurant, but for our uh, our catering operation. Um, they are um, our catering operation currently is based 
about a block south of our Martin City restaurants. And um, they are uh, bursting at the seams, uh, yeah. if you will. And this uh, good problem, yeah. <laughs> and this uh, Ritz Charles opportunity came available, and it's not a done deal yet. We're still in the due diligence phase, but if that deal goes through, the plan would be to move the operational component of our catering business to that facility, and also because it's a rather large building, our corporate office would uh, would move there as well. We just need all of them to say chew diligence while they're doing chew, their dude. We're doing our chew diligence. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Don't you think? Good I job, just <laughs> I hear that word all the time now. I'm like business, business, business. We just need them all to say it for us. <laughs> I thank you all of you very much for coming on our uh, episode this time of chew diligence. We really appreciate it. We did our due diligence. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for Bye-bye. having us.